Welcome to the Adversity Psychologist Podcast, a podcast incorporating narratives about facing and navigating adversity, a mixture of people, their experiences, and professional psychological discussion. I'm Dr. Tara Quintarillo. I'm a qualified and regulated psychologist with over 20 years' experience of mental health, disability, and human behavior. I want to share people's stories of navigating adversity in the hope that through being heard, a dose of compassion and some understanding, we can help others in the face of adversity too. Hi and welcome to the Adversity Psychologist podcast. I am Dr. Tara Quintarillo. Oh, and I'm really excited for this episode, especially with the timing this time of year. So I have Matilda Del Torre with me and I'm going to let her introduce herself, tell us a little bit about who she is and what's brought her on today. Hi. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Um, It's great to be here. Um, so yeah, my name is Matilda. I'm a designer. I'm based in London, um, but I'm half French, half Italian. I um, am yeah, a designer and I come from a graphic design background and illustration background, but now work on kind of community engagement projects that try and think about how we can transition to a more fair, um, joyful and sustainable society um, in in many ways. And one of the projects that I started doing a few years ago um, that brings me here today is called Conversations from Calais. Um, And it's a project I started after spending time volunteering in the camps in Calais and in northern France. And I felt really frustrated about uh, the media. and started that so that's kind of yeah where I'm at (laughs) so yeah so we've met via another platform before haven't we so one of the things that I really want to get across today is we want to deconstruct some myths as well don't we we want to educate people as well as telling people about your work and how they can make a difference when it comes to refugees and just conversations about refugees so one of the things that we've both been really privileged with is having first-hand experience of knowing a refugee hearing that story and being educated really being educated around the current issues what needs to be done and how individuals so somebody sat on a train now listen to this podcast how you can begin to make a difference in how we talk about and how we support refugees so if it's all right can I ask you a few questions what got you involved in the first place what made you head over to Calais yeah absolutely so to be honest I had been in London for quite a while and I had some time before starting my master's and my mom is French and I was talking to her a lot about what was happening in Calais and it was really hot in the news at the time it was 2018 you could see both a lot in France as well as here and I took the Eurostar countless times to go to Paris and to go home and all of that and always thought this is so close this is literally on my doorstep and I have no idea what's happening um so my mom said well let's just go let's just go see let's go volunteer for a few weeks see what happens so both of you went and did that yeah I went with her which was wonderful um and it was a really impactful experience that I think was obviously I wanted to help and I wanted to kind of yeah. you know volunteer but yeah. the main motivation was curiosity I was very curious to see what was happening and I was in disbelief um of what was happening yeah. so that's what led me there really and for those people that you know people kind of refer it to the refugee jungle don't they mm-hmm. um and and that's really quite a poignant thing you've just said that how many people have gone on the Eurostar, gone past but not actually thought any more about what they're seeing or what may be behind 
what they're seeing and those experiences, those human beings, those families, those individuals with hopes and dreams and wishes for their futures. Um, are you happy to share a little bit about what you observed and then what, what was it that led you to get involved with the book that's coming out next week? Yeah, of course. So first, you know, the fact that people um, aren't aware of it, I think is yeah. we have to remember is uh, is done on purpose. Um, the media doesn't want us to attach stories, faces, yes. humans to the crisis, yeah. right? That's why it's referred to like yeah. a big crisis with small boats. Um, so it's very normal and I, don't, and I don't want people to feel ashamed or embarrassed um that they don't know about it I didn't know about it at all either and it's a really good point yeah that I don't know about so um and and that's what what I mean when it's that curiosity that led me there um so when I was there I volunteered for for various organizations so like you mentioned Calais is known for the jungle um the jungle was actually demolished in 2016 um because the camp um, was getting so big that the French authorities decided that they didn't want it um, yes. to be there yeah. anymore. Um, so they demolished that. And since then, people have been living in unofficial kind of gathering um, camps around highways or green areas. This is getting right. harder and harder because they are fencing everything off. Right. Um, but there is still always about a constant of 1,500 people at least at a time trying to get really? to the UK. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's just setting up a tent somewhere um, and, you know, living in like homeless conditions, basically, yes. and yes. then moving around to try and, and cross the border. Um, I should add that everyone that is in Calais is trying to get to the UK. So it's not a kind of camp like you have in Greece or in Italy where people are really settled. It's a very transitional space, which which makes That's it an really important, point. important yes. to operate. Yes. Um, so, yeah, when I was there, I, I volunteered with several organizations that were providing really simple, you know, basic things that people need to survive. So tents, food, clothes, uh, medical assistance, Wi-Fi, phones, um, yes. all of that kind of thing. So the 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 kind of the classic way that a, a day works, I guess, is you, you have a big warehouse where the like different organizations um, are based from. Uh, and then you go out on what are called distributions, where you go out to different little settlements and little camps um, and distribute whatever people need uh, yes. that day or whatever is on the schedule. Um, so that's the kind of, um, yeah, that's how it works. And it's it's very difficult to operate as a charity there, first of all, um, because those camps are always changing. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that is because there's police evictions pretty much every two days. So that'll be when the police comes the French local police take everything from people tell them to move and that cycle repeats and repeats and so repeats. they just have to keep starting again so when you say take everything does that include taking tents. equipment it can be tents it can be pots and pans clothes shoes Gosh. uh it can be really violent um it can be more peaceful it really depends mm. um but yeah it's this kind of endless loop of trying to make people not want to stay yeah. um and making their lives are as hard as possible kind of through fear 100%. really yeah yeah 100%. we'll name it we'll name it yeah yeah yeah, yeah absolutely so in um, terms of just that impact because actually one of the things that might be helpful if you're comfortable is just you know what is that like we can try and imagine i could sit here now i've heard you know narratives before but actually being there what what is that yeah. like so I always say that it's for me, it's it's two extremes. I've never been to a place where I have seen 
so much inhumanity. Um, that's yeah. from the police, that can be from local people, that can be just yeah. from the difficulty of having to live in those conditions. Absolutely. Really, really simple yeah. things, but like Calais is so cold and so windy yes, and so it really is. It, it, it's a really difficult place to be living outside in. Um, and it's you're living in really, really, really hard conditions that to be honest, no one should be living in. Um, and mostly every night people are trying to cross. So what I mean by that is people are trying to uh, get on lorries, get on buses, get under the Eurostar uh, or be smuggled through boats or swim across or kind of all of those extremely unsafe yes. ways to try and get to the UK. So there's so much human inhumanity and grief and just pain. Yeah. At the same time, on the other side of things, I've never been somewhere with it feels like there's so much humanity and so much kind of um collective help to try and make people's lives a bit less unbearable yeah. and to help them survive so it's it's a very strange ju juxtaposition um yeah. Yeah. what what i felt a lot there is so much guilt um and so much uh frustration because at the end of the day i've got a passport that lets me go pretty much anywhere in the world and i can yes take the real store and be back home in about an hour um, or a bus yeah. or a ferry or whatever it is. Um, and also I think what's really difficult about there is, so, you know, you're, you're helping people survive there, but people shouldn't be living in this position and people shouldn't yeah. be trying to get to the UK in these extremely unsafe ways. So sometimes you're, I, I thought, are we feeding into a problem? Are we maintaining something that shouldn't be maintained? It's really, yes. really hard. Yeah. Right? Because Local authorities aren't filling those gaps. So it's yeah. maintain organization. It's very, very layered. Um, but I've had I've had wonderful conversations and I've met wonderful people there and I've um learned so much, which is what led me to create this project. So it's very layered and it's very it, it really it is a lot. Yeah. yeah. I'm just hoping people listening to this, maybe even just keep rewinding and just take a time to really process what you said, not just mm. a quick listen. Um, because that's absolutely it. There are so many layers, um, and I, and I will we will keep bringing back in the media. Um, this isn't talked about enough. There are so many negative connotations and assumptions about individuals who are wanting to come to the UK and the reasons why. So, is it all right to tackle a tricky thing? Because this is something I really wanted to get in. A lot of people, I don't think, really understand the difference between refugee, migrant, displaced person. Should we tackle that? How yeah, can let's help do it. people understand so, a bit more about that? Yeah, I think that's very important. Um, yeah, it's very really important do. because, you know, a lot of most of the information that people get about this topic is from mainstream media and from politicians, Absolutely. which so much of the time are not even using the right language to talk about the group they're talking about. Literally, right? yes. I've been really well educated in this over the past few years. And yeah. I felt really ignorant myself in terms of actually these terms need to be used correctly and understood correctly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so really simply, um, let's just go through the four, uh, the four kind of labels, I guess. So a migrant, really simple, is someone who leaves their country for whatever reason they want. It could be for a new job. It could be to study. It could be because their partner or their family lives somewhere else. Just someone yes. that has moved from one country to another. Simple as that. Um, so I myself, I'm French-Italian. I've come to London. I'm a migrant. Um, immigrant is... The same as that, but it's when you've 
kind of settled somewhere more long term. So yes. I would say yeah. that I'm an immigrant in London. I have been here for eight years. I see myself yes. staying here for the foreseeable, right? Yes. And yeah. again, it can be for any reason um, and I'm settled here. It's important to, to remember that that, that doesn't um, defy kind of your passport or what you have on your papers, right? You will yes. maintain your passport of, of wherever um, you're from and then can apply obviously for, for another passport if, yes. if that's the case. So that's the two kind of more generic terms. When I think it gets a bit more complicated is when we think about asylum seekers um, and refugees and displaced yes. communities. So first of all, really generic again, displaced community or displaced person is someone that has had to leave somewhere. And that encompasses or anyone, everyone. So asylum seekers, refugees. So it's the kind of, I guess, the big umbrella term. Yes. And yeah. under that, you have asylum seekers. So if we think about it really simple, it's seeking, so looking for asylum. That is safety, a safe place, yes. a home. Yes. So what does that mean? That means that someone, for whatever reason, and it could be so many different reasons, has felt unsafe in their country or wherever they they re they reside or they were born, um, and has had to leave in in order to seek somewhere safe um, to move to. So. What are safety those being key, yeah. Safety being yeah. very key. And what are some of those reasons? It could be, you know, there's a war in their country. Um, they're being persecuted and there's a lot of reason for that. It could be race, it could be sexuality, it could be gender, it could yes. be their job, you know, thousands of reasons. Um, and they, yeah, they seek that their government and their local authorities are not protecting them. So that's when you start seeking asylum. And that's why you then are on a journey to seek that asylum. Um, once you arrive, let's say you're trying to seek asylum in the UK, you arrive in the UK, you go and you go hand in your application saying you want to seek asylum. You remain an asylum seeker because you're waiting to find out basically if you can yes. have the right yes. to stay here. Once that process has finished and if you are granted asylum, you become a refugee. So a label to be a refugee is to have actually a paper and an identification and be recognized yes. yeah. in the country they want to seek asylum as a refugee. So that means you'll have access to like education, healthcare, you'll be able to get a job, all those things. Those are the really simple ways to, to, to look at it. I think what's very important is to remember that although this language is important, it is just a label. And a lot of it is because of the you know, the way that our society is set up with yeah. borders and passports and all of this. At the end of the day, you know, if you're in a country long enough and you have refugee like status and then you apply for citizenship and then a passport, you're no longer a refugee. Yes. You can get yeah. rid of that label as well. It is just a way for us to define people in society, which is apparently extremely needed. Um, in itself is a whole different we did a whole podcast on that, couldn't Absolutely. we? So, yeah, I hope that clarifies the kind of stages and it different It really ways. does. Yeah. And so succinct, because I guess it's that you picked up on a really important point as well before, that you just hear these terms interchangeably used, thrown around, and actually sometimes it looks like the person who's using them doesn't understand themselves. Mm -hmm. um, so it's so interesting you talk about politicians and the media, let's name it, let's label it, um, are often quite really, well, I think, ill-informed. Um, and it doesn't then help the general public's perception and therefore, I think, response. Um, and it kind of then perpetuates the issue, mm -hmm. doesn't it? So I think that's so, so important to, to cover. So 
next week is Refugee Week, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And your book is coming out. So would you like to tell us a little bit about the project? Because it's, there's a project behind the book and people need, absolutely need to go and buy this and, and read it, don't they? Yeah, thank you. Um, so, yeah, so the project is called Conversations from Calais. Um, I started it, so after, after going back and forth in Calais volunteering, I felt really angry about how um, yeah. people were, you know, politicians and mainstream media were talking about um, refugees and asylum seekers here in the UK, yes. especially the ones coming yeah. from, from Calais. Um, and I also felt really frustrated about how the people in my direct environment um, were also just engaging with that kind of media and weren't yes. really at yeah. all looking at other ways to find out about it and had no access to that kind of, or didn't look for access for that kind of information. Yeah. So I um, started looking back at a lot of my diaries that I kept when I was in Kelly, just writing down. I come from an illustration background, so drawing right. and writing, all that is yes. it's yeah. always kind of in my, in my process. And I just thought I need to use my skill set and my kind of, um, expertise yes. as a designer to be able to share these stories. So I really simply started writing down conversations that I'd had with people that I'd met there, displaced people, um, and writing down from my perspective as a volunteer, because it was always very important to me that I am not a refugee and I, I, I don't have that experience and I am not writing a refugee story. I'm not giving a voice yes. to refugees, yep. which has often been described to, to talk about this project and just gives me goosebumps um, of yeah. frustration like I see why yeah yep. yeah um but it, it's really about sharing just a tiny bit of the conversations and moments that I've experienced yeah. there to try yeah. and show a different side of what is happening there yeah um, absolutely yeah. and the importance is it's, it's really simple it's black and white it's printed on a poster and then I wanted to get them out on the streets because I didn't want to go through journalists or curators or galleries or anything like that so I printed them out and made some glue at home with flour and water and started pasting them on the streets. Uh, first in Dover wow, and then all over. Um, I didn't know that's how they got out there. I knew that's yeah, the, the yeah, kind yeah. of pathway, but I didn't know you literally with your own hands and made the glue. Yeah, yeah, yeah very that simple. Is, yeah. Um, so that's how, I, that's how I started. And then I started sharing it on social media as well because I thought that's another platform to use. Yes. And, yeah. it, and it grew from there. Um, and, and the kind of process of the, of the um, project hasn't changed. So current and past volunteers submit their own conversations. And then I've now set up a website so people can download all the posters yes. for free. Yeah. Um, which I think is, is, is so uh, it was completely unexpected. Um, yeah. But now yeah. people print the posters and put them up and they've been put in like 60 cities or something crazy like that. It's just, it is remarkable, um, isn't it? Yeah, and it really people is. have stepped up to like translate them and yes. use them for so many types of events. Um, and yeah, so that's how the project has grown. So the idea is really to rehumanize um, a so-called crisis um, yes. and show another side and, and have a way to be like, it's not just grief and pain that is in Kelly. There is so much there and we need to look at this issue, not going through the one stereotype of what a refugee looks like or talks about or, or what their journey is like. Yes. Um, and how does the book 
come into that. So in in during one of those endless lockdowns, I don't quite remember yes. which one, um, I felt very frustrated again because I couldn't go out and paste more posters. Um, of course, yes, yeah. So that was something. And also the, the, the conditions that were happening in Kelly were horrific because you can imagine that um, having to be in a lockdown in a camp when you are living on the streets is pretty much impossible so isn't it yeah yeah um so I wanted to share more and I thought I need to I need to create an archive that feels more permanent than just posters that I put on walls or something that I share on social media um so that's that's how this book came to life and it's it's coming out next week like you said and it's an archive yeah it's an archive of some of these um a selection of these conversations as well as essays um from eight people that have lived experience or that have worked in the field right for yes. a really long time yeah. so real breadth um, then yeah and the idea is you know you have poets comedians actors chefs and that's that's very I did that on purpose I really wanted to be like you know it's not just journalists and politicians that need to talk about this they need to talk talked about in all spaces and all professions um which is also what you're doing today through utilizing this platform which is 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 incredible and means so much um so that's that's kind of the aim and the goal is for it to say you know these conversations need to live in our libraries our schools our homes they need to really be remembered um because we, we we can't really turn our backs on what what is happening there i don't think something around perma- permanency I can't even say the word that because I was going to ask actually another kind of tricky question about that that's me yeah. when you were putting up your posters did you encounter any resistance not at all which is interesting. not at all which is very interesting and yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. tell you why I think so first of all I have the first practical thing is I'm not graffitiing anywhere it it's very easily you can take a poster down it doesn't damage yeah. property yeah. if that makes sense yeah. so I think that helps um and then the second thing is I mean and this is when it's I think it's really helpful to read some of these conversations but yes they're not political you know I mean everything is political obviously but they're not telling you who to vote for they're not telling you what is wrong with politicians they're just getting you to listen to a story and that is very hard to argue with because at the end of the day you're just trying to ask people to listen and be empathetic towards me. Yes. Yeah. So it makes it much harder to argue with or to 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 criticize, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, yes. And that's very important. That was always kind of my um, my aim. Obviously, if you read into it, you can very much tell there is a political agenda to the project because it's saying that you know our governments are letting people down and literally letting people drown um things need to change yeah and that things need to change yeah but it hits that balance I think um which makes it harder to criticize (laughs) and also comes back to what you said right at the beginning today the human being that is behind the label exactly the the human stories and and taking it so simple and it's free to do to listen to take time that doesn't cost anything does it um you know we scroll through endless reels and social media don't we but you know 
taking the time to really digest something. We can see a couple of infographics and think, oh, that must be the truth. But we don't often. Um, I'm doing a bit of collaboration with someone who at the moment who is really into looking at the quality of the news we read and educating people to ask questions about where they're getting their information from. So that's made me think a lot recently about, you know, people if you were to ask the average person. It's very interesting. You also said that some of the people in your circle as well had very different views and, and sometimes that's tricky isn't it because we presume that people in our own circle will have maybe similar views or if they spend time with us they might hear but people are getting their information from so many different sources and so many inaccurate sources yeah absolutely well, and, and, and yeah. I think what's what's important is that is I will never blame or usually most of the time never blame an individual yeah. for that yeah. Yeah. that that point of view because it's it's been fed I mean if you're in a circle where everyone speaks like that and all of the yeah. media is like that and all of your local politicians are speaking like that and just saying you know these small boats invading of course you're going to try and think that and in the UK yeah. especially yeah. we have a whole hostile environment that has been set up to do just that yeah. um and yeah. And, and scapegoating refugees and making them feel like that's why the NHS is collapsing and that's why we have no jobs and that's why it's a cost of living crisis. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it is normal for you to think that and to feel that. Like that is exactly what they are trying to do and succeeding in doing in many ways. Yeah. That's why I find it so important to first of all listen and then I hope once you've kind of gotten that interest and like you said at the beginning to think, okay, actually how can I have some engagement with people, real life people, yeah. to be able to form my own opinions and my own Absolutely. thoughts? Absolutely. Because this is exactly what they want, right? For it to be segregated, for, for you to feel like you never speak to a migrant or a refugee or as an asylum seeker and that, you know, they don't have anything to do with you. And you but shouldn't actually, do, you know, almost that. You should, uh, quite a powerful loaded word, that, isn't it? Exactly. So I think as soon as you break away from that and actually start seeing that first of all this country is run by migrants yeah. and immigrants in many ways yeah. um but also that yeah. at the end of the day yours and my like dreams and goals and worries and fears and tastes and dislikes are pretty similar it becomes Absolutely. much harder yeah. to to hate someone right and to hate a group of people so much and I, that's what i'm really trying to to to, to try and find ways to start building a world that is way more about getting us closer together than further apart because absolutely that what is a better world scary. simple yeah. as that really isn't it yeah um and that you know it's so interesting as well just to look at our infrastructure at the moment and who contributes to that look at our surnames as they appear or your surname isn't anything but you know we're looking at <laughs> emails look at the history in our surnames yeah. you know yeah. my husband's family are Italian my family are Irish and English yeah. um just here on this podcast you know we wouldn't be here doing this yeah <laughs> I mean every yeah everyone has a story of migration Absolutely. it's just how far do you go yeah um yeah. so it yeah you're right it's about breaking up that like I guess assumption or I don't know yeah. like yeah. kind of prejudice that oh no I am fully British and thus fully deserve to be here whatever that means yes. um it's about permission or something you know entitlement entitlement yeah 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 um so yeah you're right it's about breaking so, away from that 
with your book I love the idea of permanency you know I mean <laughs> such a dinosaur I used to love a tangible book and then e-readers came in and then I kind of fell out of love with my e-reader and back into books again I love tangible books but I love what you'd said then about permanency that your mm. book will be on bookshelves in libraries it's not something that can be kind of pushed away um I wonder whether people also I connect so much more with a physical book I don't know about you but just you know it's out next week isn't it mm -hmm. um, and obviously we'll put in our show notes as well where people can get that from but mm -hmm. I'm hoping people also because at some point it will be digital as well I presume mm -hmm. that picking up that tangible book taking the time to reread it feel the pages connect with those pages we have this wonderful thing between our ears called a brain that can make its own informed decisions and mm -hmm. educate itself I don't think we use it enough um, so I'm hoping if people are listening to this, whether they're on a train, I don't know, at home, just about to get into bed, whatever, yeah. go buy a copy and really digest it and I tell agree. people about what you've read. Yeah, exactly. I think um, completely that idea of permanency and that idea of saying, yeah. actually, these deserve to be printed is yeah. something that was really important yeah. to me. Um, but also about saying, this is a heavy topic and it's a difficult topic to talk about in, in many, many mm -hmm. environments. And for a lot of people, it's actually not really safe to talk about it in the direct yeah. environment. And, and, and that's completely fair enough. But what I'm trying to say here is I, I, this book isn't heavy reading. This book provides a lot of hope. Some yes. of it, there's moments yeah. of laughter. There's moments of lightness. There's moments of, there are moments of sadness and grief and frustration. Absolutely. But it's, it's, it's not just that. And, and, and that's really important. Um, yes. The chapter that ends the last chapter of the book is hope and future. And that's because I really want yeah. people to, you know, feel that kind of hope um, as, as they finish the book, but it's also a book yeah. that you can like yeah. dip in and out of really quickly and, and read with people around you. And that I is, like that. Yeah. I think that that was really important to me. And also what you said about having conversations with people around us yeah. That is so important. I think we focus so much, I find in this movement sometimes, or in, you know, people working in refugee rights, yes, we yeah. focus so much on speaking to the 20% that are like the pretty Patels, the home office, the Swella Brave Men, all of those that are so anti all of this. Or we focus on speaking to the 20% that are activists and that are working for the charities and for doing all of that, right? Yes, that's a good point. But we don't spend any time speaking to the 60% who don't really know about it or haven't really made up their mind or don't know how to make up their mind or just haven't had time, space to engage with this topic. So let's focus on that. Let's focus on the really people good point. that, yeah. you know, j just aren't really decided because that is to me so much more impactful. That's a way bigger number than those two other extremes. Yes. And I'm so aware that through social media, I've created a little eco chamber of people, right? That already know about Kelly and have been to Kelly and go to Kelly. But for me, the power of having this in a bookshop that is completely random. Yes. In, yeah. you know, wherever in the UK is where I want it to be hitting those people that had never heard about Kelly, that I never heard about it and that are starting to then think about it and that then have conversations with people that are in their environment and also don't really know how to talk about it and hopefully use this to start those conversations because that is so much more powerful. And it really is. If yeah. you have those amount of people saying like, okay, let's, let's start. And 
you don't need to become like an activist and work in refugee rights like and let's demystify that that's a really good point that you know this isn't talking about people you know becoming activists is it that middle bit yeah. making conversations and we'll come on to in a bit because on your conversations for kelly website there's some really lovely tangible things that we can all yeah. do which i think is good to kind of spell out on here but that's such a yeah. good point you said something really interesting before you know about the difference between people seeking out information making their own informed choices and by seeing this book on the shelves and whichever bookshop or popping up on amazon or wherever if i'm allowed to say amazon on the podcast, yeah, yeah. um that you know you're making a choice to go read that but then to tell other people about it tell them about your experiences as a psychologist i know quite often people struggle with difficult conversations mm. so we avoid don't we we stick our head in the sand or oh, i don't know if i'm able to speak on that or i should do or mm. i don't know enough about it let's start having conversations even if yeah. it's tricky if you don't know how yeah. to you also know, start with your book telling people what you've understood and what you've learned from that is a really good starting point isn't it exactly and I think what's really important is you know if you think about the like 10 people closest to you in your yeah. your environment whether that's family friends colleagues whatever it is if I go up to them as a stranger who's like published this book and start telling them yeah. about it they're not going to listen to me or like they might but the impact it's going to have yeah. is way less if it's one of the closest people that are in their lives that are telling them about it yes. because yeah that's yeah. just you know they have a trust they have a relationship they have they, they believe you and they will listen to you in different ways so actually the impact you can have on those people close to you in your network is way bigger than I will ever um yeah. so you, yeah. let's utilize that like let's that's really and then if you think about it if you say one person to 10 people and then that person to 10 people really quickly that's a lot of people and that can be done face to face but it can also be done online it can be done yes in the workplace in schools through friends through family it can be done around in so many spaces um yes yeah and and I hope that's also one of the things that people always told me like I these conversations really help me to have these bigger conversations because yeah. they're not telling my brother-in-law that they should vote for this and this and that they're just saying this is the situation now you know and now you can decide what you want to do about it you can make so, an informed choice sounds really meaningful these are meaningful conversations aren't they I think so you know yeah. and again you said avoiding you know over politicizing it just the, coming back to the humans the stories the people you know yeah. and you see these ridiculous headlines um and you know forgetting the human beings that are behind yeah. that when you see comments in comment sections on news articles um it can be really disheartening and I wonder if that you know trying to remember that yes we might be seeing some of those narratives but doesn't mean we can't start to do things and sometimes people think oh I can't there might be someone sat on a train now going oh but what can I do so coming back to your there's a conversations from Calais website mm -hmm. so it's conversationsfromcalais.com and I'll put all of this in the show notes and there's some really lovely things you can do you've got it all starts with b b b b should we run through some of those would that be useful yeah let's do it um because for me you know that did what can you do on a smaller level then what can you do for you know really concrete change as well which i really like i like this right there on the front page yeah i agree so i think first of all i wanted to say i get very frustrated by the word refugee crisis we're in a crisis of yes. empathy yes. we're in a crisis where we're not we're 
not able to emphasize with people that aren't in a direct environment and don't have all over lived experience. And I think we really yeah. need to tackle that in many, many ways and in many, many spaces. Yeah. But that's why to me, like this work is so important. So it's, it's exactly like you said, um, those conversations are hard, but they are so needed. Um, yeah. Because that's, I think, the only way to kind of be able to build a word that that is looking out for each other. Um, so, in, and I, I guess that brings us to like the first action on the website. I wrote these quite a long time ago, to be honest, but I, I think I still stick by them. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was impressed kind. by them. Okay, good, good. Um, be kind and treat everyone with humanity and respect. Yes. Be I think kind, that's free. You can it, everyone can do that. Everyone can do that. Um, if you think about it, also, you know, that's that's your direct environment. But also, I mean, yeah. I can guarantee you that there is probably some sort of accommodation close by to you. I've got about probably three hotels within like a 10-minute cycle from my house that are hosting yeah. asylum seekers right now. Um you I'm in London as well. Yeah, but I mean it, it it's everywhere, right? So actually your direct environment usually also has asylum seekers and refugees so how can you really think about helping those people integrate and how can you be kind not just to your direct neighbor that you know well but everyone in your environment i think that's very very powerful kindness and compassion can never be overstated can it agreed um i think being open this is really important that like some of the stuff you might not agree with, you might not agree why, like, I don't know, people felt like they'd had to leave or you might not agree or you might not know about the experiences that some people have. And you, you might find it difficult to relate because a yeah. lot of the, yeah. the experiences, probably, thankfully, you haven't lived through. That's OK. Sometimes it's not about needing to understand everything, but it's yeah. just about being open and like we talked about listening and I think it's also important to be open to listen to people that are saying but you know refugees are coming here and taking all of our jobs and taking all of your resources from our city or towns whatever be open to that argument and start to understand and really debunk it um I find that really important probably more powerful than than we think and just perhaps all of us need a bit of a kick up the backside to maybe realise how closed we can be, how rigid we might be with our thinking. That when's the yeah. last time we really went out and searched new literature and new opinions on things? Yeah. We've been told this or we've been brought up in a way and told this by our education system or our parenting. Yeah. Um, it takes yeah. a lot to admit that we it are does. rigid and closed-minded and, and that it's never too late to do something about that. Yeah, and I think sometimes we get into very dangerous situations. I see it a lot in this space where we feel like, but I know better, I know more, I am more open, I am more compassionate. And that can be really, really dangerous. Um, First of all, because like we said, like everything is shaped through your environment and your experiences and your lived experience. Um, And you only know as much as you know. So how do you kind of, right now, for example, I'm trying to engage a lot with, the Daily Mail and all of that media that I hate so passionately, not for it to, not because I believe it or want to engage with it, but because yeah. I think it's really important to see the other side of it so that then we're able to have conversations that yes. kind of resonate, yes. you know, with that audience. Absolutely. Um, so, so even though yeah. it might include leaning into some tricky stuff for you, you know what yeah. your values are that are underpinning yeah. having exactly. to do that behavior. Absolutely. Yeah, 
the third thing, and I mean, I just said that this isn't a political project, but but be political in terms of, you know, we, like I said, we actually have, I think, quite a lot of power and we forget that. Yes. Um, yeah. I think I see it a lot with people that I meet and some of this is talked about in the book as well. Some conversations are about this thing. You have the right to vote. You have the right to go somewhere yeah. and, and, and say what you feel. I'm not saying that this democracy is uh, smooth sailing or uh, yeah. perfect yeah. in any way. But we do have that power in many ways. And we do have the power to write to our MPs. It's safe for us to go outside and protest in the UK. Our, at, yes. at the minute it is. That is also changing. But a lot of that right now, for most folks, is still safe. So yeah. let's use that power. Let's use that privilege to really voice our concern and our worries and kind of our... Um, yeah, like our motivation Absolutely. to stand by people yeah. and be allies. So I think that's... The digital age means now you can email your G, um, MP, you can send a Facebook message, you can ask to go meet them now, which, yes. you know, you can do all of that. That's something an individual can do. Exactly. Um, the next thing I would say is about being active. I think, like you said, it's very easy to be listening to this and to feel like this is so big. This is yeah. huge. Yeah. I have no power. And also, I'm not denying that, like, we live in a cost of living crisis. The climate yeah. change is, yeah. you know, as there's we lot going every on. day, yeah. there's a lot going on. And it's a very difficult world. And yeah. I'm not denying that there's many days where I just stare at the ceiling and think, how the hell are we going to get out of this, right? Yeah. However. Not alone, the, no. Yeah. The best way for me to get out of that mindset is to be active and to do yes. something. Yeah. And that can mean whatever it can. Like, it can be in so many shapes and forms. It doesn't need to be going to volunteer in Kelly. It can be about volunteering in your direct environment. It can be about starting yes. to get involved in community organizing. Yes. It can be to, you know, say, let's let's talk about Refugee Week in the workplace. Let's talk about Refugee yes. Week in school. Let's talk, choose a book about refugees in my book club, in my film club, whatever it is. There's so many ways of being active and through that action, I think, is when you can feel inspired again and when you can start feeling like Absolutely. you are yes. making a little difference in your little bubble. And I'm not saying you need to change the world, but slowly, if all of but those little bubbles together is where bigger change exactly. happens. Yeah. So being active is, is also really good for I, for me, I find, and for a lot of people that I know that that are in this space to just feel less hopeless about everything. And we really need to hold on to that because... absolutely. We need to hold on to grief. I think we need to be angry and we need to be sad. We saw it yesterday. Um, I don't know if you saw, but a, a, a boat. Um, there was a drowning in Greece. Um, there's yeah. 79 people yeah. that have drowned. And two days before, the local authorities in Greece were made aware and ignored those calls. And we have seen the lives Absolutely of so many people drown. And I really yeah. want to hold on to that grief and that pain and that kind of sadness because I think that's very important and I never want to become apathetic to that ever 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 that can be the driver for change can't it exactly yeah. but then you need to be able to say okay we need to keep right. keep moving yeah. and I'm not What's saying that kind of committed action we'd call that yeah yeah and what I'm not saying that easy yeah yeah but it, but I think it's needed um and then I think lastly it's about being generous and I think what I mean by that is it can be generous with your time with your money, with your resources, with your skills. Again, there's Absolutely. so many things yes. you can do. 
you know how to, if you listen to the post podcast, you probably speak English and understand English. You can tutor it. You can volunteer. You can mentor. You can donate money. You can look at work experiences in your workplace. You can look at whether your school has um, kind of resources for welcoming and integrating refugees and asylum yes. seekers. You can, there's, you can attend a cooking class that's like hosted by a refugee. There's so many things it's you can infinite, do. almost infinite, isn't it? It's yeah. infinite. Just Google, and I can guarantee you will find stuff in your local area. And I think we do, that's for me where it's really important to say, I have, and, and this will depend from person to person, and only you will be able to know how much you're able to give, right? But I was speaking to someone the other day, and they told me, there's so much talk right now about privilege and what it feels to be privileged and what it means to have all yes. this privilege. Yeah. And sometimes we, we complicate it so much and... At the end of the day, I think it's just if you have too much money or too much love or too much time or enough of those things, it's just about sharing it. That is all. And if we were all to share our money, our resources, our times, our skill, our love, our support to a few more people, I really think the world would be a different place. Um, share your yeah. space, share your platform, whatever that is. We all have ways to do that. Um and that can make a huge difference. Um, it really can. So, yeah, those are the main things, I think. And the lovely thing on the Conversations for Cali website, under each of those sections, you have ideas, and there's the clicks, the links straight away to kind of look what's in your area. The other thing I found, so I'm down in Sussex, just kind of south of London, um, and we have Refugee Sussex, kind of massive Facebook page, and it's so easy to go on and see what they need and what they don't need. So part of that is educating people but you can get involved in so many ways. So you're also learning, you're sharing, people are having conversations. It takes two clicks to get there. As you say, Google, it, Google does the work for you. That's why it's there. Um, and there is nothing to stop people clicking. Even if it's something you might not be able to do today, you can do the research today. You can start to plan. You can do smaller things now. And absolutely, I like that idea of a pathway, you know, something to take away from there seeking out go and seek out more information mm -hmm. just look at what there is that you can do it doesn't yeah. have to be a huge thing you know you can start small you can get bigger if, if you if you like so yeah. people are going to want to hear more about you where can they find you so we have conversations from calais.com yeah where else do you hang out on instagram mostly um okay so matilda delatore just that um and yeah those are the main things um yeah <laughs> and your book is out next week remind everybody what the title is and yeah so conversations from kelly sharing refugee stories is out on the 20th of june um and is out in like main or main bookshops as well as online and all of all of that um i would always encourage supporting independent bookstores but it is available yes. on amazon and all of those um Absolutely. so yeah and also one thing i want to say is you can request it from your local library so you can ask your local library to order a copy um yes, yeah so that's also something that you can do um even if you have a copy already like I just went to my local library because I wanted to see my book in a local library but yeah. um I know that people have done <laughs> Don't it just, blame me. just so that you know it can again be in spaces where you wouldn't really it's have on that shelf it's yeah. there it has its exactly. place and it's requested from like your school your kids school your workplace that kind yes, of thing that's like a your, good point yes um yeah, it's it. This book is really about just getting it in spaces where you really wouldn't usually have these kinds of conversations. 
and that's what we want. So I always ask every guest if there's a little, we had so much today. I think what I might do is actually put some of this video out on social media because people I think need to start hearing these conversations as well as just the, the podcast is audio. Um, is there an adversity takeaway you could leave as one little nugget? I know we've had loads <laughs> throughout the last 40 minutes. A takeaway, I think for me, um, I would say is not, leaning into that sadness and that fear and that frustration and realizing that you have the skills, the resources, the time in some way or another to be able to make another human feel wanted and loved and safe. And that is, I would say, enough. Um, even if you never write to your MP and you never vote and all that, I would obviously encourage you to do that. But just seek out those kinds of connections that make people feel welcomed um, and loved. And that was human connection. Yeah, that yes. goes a really long way. And at the end of the day, isn't that like what we're all seeking in some form or another? Um, yeah. And that translates, transcends borders and languages and nationalities and religions and cultures and all of that. Um, connection connection yeah. capital c we can all do that and it and it works both ways um so yeah because that's an interesting thing isn't it that we get what we give as well we get something from helping others from yeah. compassion a hundred percent yeah for sure everyone thank you Matilda. Yeah. it's been great good to thank talk to you all day <laughs> it's nice <laughs> to finally meet you face to face as well um Me i can't too. wait to get this episode out there um we're yeah. timing it for refugee week which is really exciting as well so let's get this narrative out there thank you so much for joining me thank you thank you for listening to this episode of the adversity psychologist podcast it's so lovely to have you here i'm dr tara quintrillo and you can find me at drtara.co.uk you'll see everything i'm up to free resources my media work and my new covid recovery clinic as well remember to please rate and review my podcast it really helps people to benefit from the narratives of overcoming adversity if they know where to find us the adversity psychologist podcast helping you step at a time.